once we repress this part of us, it begins to express itself in toxic ways, right? So through your expression, it was trying to get its needs met in a healthy way, but you repressed it and then it becomes toxic because anything that's suppressed becomes toxic. And so now it comes out in toxic ways and we need to go back and find that shadow. So any, any form of like toxic behavior, any triggers, any reactive behavior will come from a shadow. So we need to figure out what that shadow is. We need to understand what need it's trying to get met through that toxic behavior. And then we need to find a healthy way to get that need met and integrate it through repetitive action until it becomes an unconscious action. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Leandra Haupt. I work as a model, I'm a techno lover and a 90s fashion enthusiast. And I work as a hypnotherapist and life coach. In this podcast, I'll speak with inspiring guests about modern spirituality, personal development and alternative lifestyle. Have you ever heard about human design? I came across that term around a year ago and you can basically calculate your chart like the astrological chart and then you get a result which at least for me was really really confusing so I pushed it away for a while and I thought I just don't understand this and I'm not really have the yeah, willpower to look more into it. But I came over and over it again, so I looked again at it and I listened to a few podcasts and got some information about it, and it's so interesting. I feel like it's such a wide topic that I could probably make a million podcast episodes about, but today I will just have one episode about it with Hela Machado. She is not only a human design reader, but also a shadow work expert and embodiment guide. And she will tell us everything about the human design types today and what they mean and some more knowledge about the heritage, where it comes from, the whole human design. But we also speak about what shadow work is and also about the mother wound and what it is and how we can heal it. So we dive into so many beautiful, interesting topics and I think that all of these topics fit really, really well to the current time in which we're in with turning more inwards and also becoming more of our feminine side. Especially in the past year, we've all have been confronted with our shadow aspects because most of us were locked at home or had lost our jobs or suddenly had just a lot of time to think about a lot of things and that's the time when the shadow aspects come up. So going really into that work and confronting yourself with all the shadows has been such a big part of so many people's lives. So I'm more than excited to share this beautiful interview with you now and yeah check her out on Instagram as well. She has such an inspirational account. And yeah, if you like this podcast, please subscribe or leave me a five-star review on Apple and share it with someone who should also get this information in their ears. And I wish you so much fun listening to that now and hope you leave it 
just as inspired as I did. Yeah, so hi and welcome to Pure Happy Healthy. Today I have Hela in my podcast interview and I'm super excited to speak with her. So hi and welcome, Hela. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it's morning for the both of us. We're in the same uh, time zone. And mm -hmm. my question is always, my first question is, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Mm, I had black coffee and papaya. <laughs> so Caribbean yeah <laughs> very tropical yeah so would you like to introduce yourself a little bit how do you want to be known in my show and my podcast what do people should know about you mm, this question this answer is always different mm -hmm. it never comes out the same um so I'm a human design guide But most importantly, I help women reclaim their responsibility to reach new levels in their identity so that they can create new levels of reality. And we use human design to play with that. I love playing the human game. I love playing the human game. And I, I really do believe that everyone has their own game. And We just need to tweak some things here and there to make it really fun. And once you understand your game, it does become fun, but it requires a lot of trust and a lot of courage. Mm, wow. I love that you said playing the human game yes. because that makes it sound so light and easy. You know, I mean, it, it's not always easy as each of us knows, yeah. <laughs> but if we see it like a human game, like an experience here on this planet, it sometimes takes away the heaviness of being human or taking things too serious, maybe, and maybe acting with it with humor. Um, so I love that you said that. And you were already saying you do human design. So for someone who has never heard about this, and I have to admit, I haven't heard about this until just a year or two ago. Um, so could you explain a little bit what it is and how it can help us play the human game? <laughs> yes. So human design is this incredible system that involves the Kabbalah, the I Ching, the chakra system, um, quantum physics, astrology. I'm like, am I missing something? There's so much. <laughs> so it just, it's like all of these things in one. But I think the most interesting part about it is that it was like a download that someone received. Do you know the story? No, I don't. Would oh, you okay. like to share it? Sure. <laughs> I'm, I don't pay attention. I don't, I'm not too detailed with the story because I just, I'm so more into the method itself, but there was this guy and he was uh, from Canada and, and he had, you know, his normal human life. And then he just felt really pulled to go to Ibiza. So he went. And I think this was like in the seventies, he was going home one day and it kind of looked like someone had opened his door or someone had passed by his house or something like that. And he felt like this very strange um, feeling. And out of nowhere, he started hearing this voice. And it's almost as if, I guess the, the word that I 
I'm going to use to describe it is as if he was possessed, you know, like he was overtaken by this instruction to write out what this voice was saying. He didn't, he didn't know it was like channeling, you know, he was just channeling, channeling, channeling. Yeah. He received this incredible download that involved all of these beautiful esoteric practices, but he didn't realize what he was writing as he was writing it. He just went back and realize what, you know, what he wrote down afterwards. Cause when you're channeling, you don't really realize what's happening or what's coming through you. And if anyone asks you what you just said, they'll usually be like, I don't know what I just said, you know? So what I believe, what I feel like is so beautiful about this is that it brings all of these different esoteric practices together. And just the same way that, you know, all religions are trying to get to the same place, even though they they fight and there's like this argument and there's like, which one is better, right? Is it like, should I follow astrology or, you know, the Hindu chakra system? Well, in human design, it's gorgeous because it brings everything together. And it really just shows us that we're all here trying to accomplish the same thing. We're just trying to understand who we are, why we're here and how to best use, utilize our time here on earth. And that's what human design is for me. And, um, that's, that's the wild story. You know, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I also, I'm not too sure on the number of days he was over there channeling, but the story goes is that he was channeling for about seven or nine days straight without stopping, without eating, without breathing, without, you know, just like there, they are going, going, going. And that it was a very intense experience. Um, and afterwards, his name changed to Ra Uru. So very interesting experience. And, you know, he, he has a school on human design. He already passed. Um, but there is a school that, you know, was created. And now there are other practitioners, which is also what I think is really beautiful about the moment that we're in now is that people are learning the systems and translating it into their own way, which... I actually do believe that human design should be like that. It is not a rigid, I don't believe that it's a rigid system that it needs to go, you know, like, oh, I have to like be this computer. I have to program myself, my human design into my system. No, um, human design is simply a practice that shows you that when you trust yourself, you're on the right path. And this is how it works in your body. Right, because we're all playing into this lack of trust and the fears and the doubts. And this is the game, right? This is the game. It all begins, it all starts when we move through our mother's womb. <laughs> and then the game begins, you know. And we're all in this game and we're all looking for the same thing, whether we know it or not, in our own unique ways. And all of these systems are trying to help us with that you know, and, and what I love about human design again, is that it brings all of the systems together and it really brings you back to yourself because I absolutely love astrology. I'm not an astrologer, but I do have incredible friends who are, and they've helped me so much in my path. But what I've witnessed other people getting caught up in is getting caught up in the story that they get from the stars, instead of just using that as a confirmation that they're on the right path. You know, um, one of the things that I love doing with astrology is we're all, you know, we're all navigating through our own astrological houses. Um, 
through our charts. And when I'm in a specific house, I understand that I have an opportunity to up-level in that house. So if I am, my very intense house is a house of mother, right? <laughs> it's like, that's my, my work that I do here. So the fourth house is the house of family mother. Like that's, it symbolizes her. So I know that when I'm in that house, there's some work to do. And if I do that work, if I up-level, if I, if I pinpoint the ways that I need to up-level and I get clear on how to do that work and I do it, I will integrate what I meant to receive in that house. If I'm in the house of money, I'm not going to sit there and wait and be like, Ooh, I'm going to manifest money today. Yay. Cause I'm in the house of money. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be like, okay, what do I need to look at to integrate so that I can recalibrate to a higher level of being and then receive because we're always evolving. If we're just we just evolve one level and we just sit there, it doesn't bring fulfillment. What allows us to feel fulfilled as human beings is the constant state of evolution. Mm, it's so interesting what you just said and so important to highlight again, I think, is that we can use all these practices as a tool to guide us or to bring us clarity and not for something, take it for something that is given and just needing to follow this path and just lean back and do nothing about it. And I've seen very many examples of people who went to either tarot card readers or astrologists or human design readers, and then they took everything they said for granted and they just laid back and said, okay, in five years, this and this will happen. So let's just let it happen. And I don't need to do anything now. Or they were saying, actually, I already want to do my business now, but the reader said or the stars say that I should only do it in two years. And I think that's when it becomes dangerous when you let um, these forecasts basically um, determine your way because then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy instead of taking your life in your own hand and take every tool that is offered to you like human design uh, to something that is helping you and bring you clarity. And I think that's what makes a good reading um, that you get clarity after this and support from it and not let it limit you. And the first time I saw my human design chart, uh, there's calculators um, online that you can just type in your data and then uh, you get the, your chart. I was so confused and I was like, okay, I'm just <laughs> going to put this away. I think um, I will never in my life understand this. I know my type, but I still don't know so much about it. So there are four types. Um, I'm a generator. <laughs> so yeah, I was, I was a bit sad because I was like, oh, that's the majority of people. Everyone is a generator. This is so boring. How but actually it is quite cool because- That's a really interesting thing to say because yeah. most people, when they find out, you know, like most people, well, at least I feel like in the beginning when they don't understand their type, they want to be the sacral. They want to have their sacral defined. They want to be either the generators or the manifesting generators. Mm. Um, because they just, you know, it's like, oh, more exciting, more energy, more, you know? So it's, I guess, but it's really interesting mm. that you don't <laughs> want to be the majority. I love that. <laughs> but then I found out what it means. And then I was like, actually that suits me really well. And actually I really like that. So could you go through all the four types and explain yeah. to the listeners what um, each of them um, means and what their strengths and maybe also weaknesses are? Yeah, of course. So let's start with the generator, Yay. right? We have the, the energy type, which is the generator. The generator has the sacral defined. 
So the shake girl, uh, the, the shake girl. <laughs> I have a habit of putting two words together. I know, I know, that's probably <laughs> I invite my, I, I always invite my own vocabulary. Um, the safe girl chakra is defined. And that means that when you're doing something that you love, you have like this consistent flow of energy. And when you're doing something that you love, your auric field expands and it invites in opportunities for you to respond to right? So the generator's authority is the sacral unless they're, so now I'm going into like some terms that maybe you won't understand, or maybe the, the listeners won't understand, but I will explain these, these terms. So the sacral is a chakra, right? So when it's defined, it produces a lot of energy to get things done. And the generator and the manifesting generator has those defined. And so you are a sacral authority as long as your emotional center, which is your solar plexus chakra, isn't defined. If it is defined, then you're an emotional authority. And what an emotional authority means is that you feel the pull of the sacral, the sacral pull and the, the excitement. Like when you're trying to make a decision, you feel the yes or the no. And then a wave comes up and it's your responsibility to ride that wave, right? We want to ride the wave without expecting it when it's going to end, when it's going to go away. We just really want to ride it. And as it goes down and as it dissipates, we receive clarity around our answer. And the, the emotional wave really is an opportunity for you to embody more power, more sovereignty in your decision-making. And when you make that decision, your org field expands. And again, it invites in opportunities. The, the strategy is to respond. So for generators and manifesting generators, you want to be that, you want to be really lit up about what you're doing and the decisions that you're making and the lifestyle that you're living, because being really lit up goes out into your auric field and people feel you while you're being you in your beingness is what manifests. So this is really important. Um, the conditioning side of being a generator or a manifesting generator is that, well, let's go in for, for a generator because I feel like they're a little bit different. The generator feels like they have to say yes to a lot of things. They feel like just because they have the energy to do it, they should, they should say yes. And the shoulds and the hows in human designs don't work. So like every time you hear yourself saying, I should, well, I should do that. Mm -mm. Like check that again. I maybe not, <laughs> you know, the way that you should feel is I want to do that. You should be excited for what you're about to say yes to. If you're not lit up, no, because then what happens is halfway through, you're not going to have the energy to do it. And it's going to feel confusing, you know? When you are lit up about something, you will have the energy to follow through and complete the project and be excited about it. So the conditioning there is feeling like they should always be doing something more and more and more, saying yes to too much. For the manifesting generator, it's no patience, <laughs> no patience. The manifesting generator is like the fastest design in the group. And so it wants to skip steps and it just wants to go. It's like, yes, I want to do it now, now, now. You know, and then I want to skip steps like, oh my God, this project super excites me. Yes to the project. 
but I don't want to like create the things that, you know, the like in between stuff. I just want to do the project, but that's the project. No, but I just want to, you know, it's like, they want to skip all the steps. They want to feel it up all the time. So it's important for the manifesting generator to slow down a little bit. I'm a manifesting generator, slow down a little bit and create a relationship with the things that they're doing and know that they're the leader just because they don't feel excited about sitting down and creating an outline, for example, of, uh, you know, of a project they're going to work on. Maybe that's not the part that excites them, but if they create a relationship with that thing and they lead that relationship, it can excite them because it's a part of a project that excites them. So it's their responsibility to lead themselves in that excitement so that they can remain lit up. And then we have the projector. The projector does not have the sacral defined. And the projector, the projectors are here to be guides. They're here to be guides, they're observers. So they like to observe people and understand life through observation. And they're amazing guides, but the projectors have to be invited. And sometimes, you know, we don't have the sacral defined and there's like, you have to slow down. So there is a lack of patience. So if the, the projector is acting like a generator, they won't be seen for their gifts. Because one of the things that projectors love is to be seen for their gifts. They love to be acknowledged. I have projector friends and I I'm a Leo. So I love to praise my friends. Like I will praise you for anything. Like I just, I love everyone. And I'm like, if I see something I love in you, I'm going to tell you that I love it. And they love that. They love to be seen for what they're here to do for what they're doing. They love the praise. Um, but they, in order for them to receive that, they really have to trust their path. They have to trust that they're not here to, to go wild and, and go fast. They're here to like really relax into their gifts and, and into what they love doing and they will be seen, right? And their strategy is to invite others, uh, not to invite others, excuse me, to be invited. So when they relax into what they love to do and they're enjoying themselves, they will be seen and they will be invited. And that's how they manifest. That's their, their, their abundance there. Then we have reflectors. Reflectors are very interesting because reflectors are completely open. All of their chakras are opened. And when the centers, AKA the chakras are open, we absorb a lot. And in our open centers, our open chakras is where we receive conditioning. Because as children, we don't know how to protect ourselves from conditioning. So we have a lot of conditioning in the open centers. And in human design, what we do is we help people decondition so that they can realign with their true selves. And while this may sound difficult, right, for a reflector, the reflector, I see the reflector as like a seer. I love the Viking shows. I don't know if you if you watch the Viking shows, but mm-hmm. in the Viking uh, shows there, they had seers, right? They had like these ancient people that were like very close to the gods and they were the seers. They saw what other people couldn't see. And I see the reflectors as that, they're the seers. Mm-hmm because they can see, because they receive a lot from us and they're very sensitive, they can see what we can't see. And so they get to, as a reflector, reflect back all the wisdom, but they need to learn how to work with their open centers. They need to learn how to honor their boundaries and honor their truth and allow their body to guide them in their yeses and their noes 
they take, um, they, they live by the moon cycles. So their process is slower. They need to fall in love with that process. They really need to fall in love with their process. I really believe that when a reflector falls in love with their process and really learns how to honor their bodies, they can become that wisdom keeper, that seer, that reflector that they're here to be. Mm. Uh, and so, the manifester. There's the manifester. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The manifester is the only initiator. The manifester has a really powerful voice. They're the only ones in the group that can actually initiate, right? Everyone else has to be invited. They have to be seen. They're kind of like they're doing their thing and then an opportunity comes and then they respond like the this, uh, generator and the manifesting generator. But the manifester is the only one in the group that can be like, I have an idea. I'm going to do it. And then they do it and it goes right, you know? So they're really powerful. They're like, you know, um, I'm not sure if this is true because I haven't pulled up the, these charts, but I heard that the kings and queens were, were manifestors. So there were a lot of manifestors, you know, in that um, tier of humanity. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. And as you can see, we're all needed. It's like a puzzle piece that just like slides together. Mm. So I think from what I've seen, there's mostly generators and manifesting generators and all the other ones are really, really rarely. It's kind of like in between one and 10% of all humanity. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's interesting, right? Because one of the terms that's used in human design is that the sacral authorities are the builders of the world. So we need them in order to create the projects in order to complete the projects in order to build the ideas and all of that and while the manifester may have the great idea that it wants to initiate on they will need the generator to help them complete that project mm, okay. um same goes for all of the other authorities they don't have their their sacral defined and so they need that 70 percent that that big larger group mm -hmm. to help them build out these magnificent ideas and missions. Mm, okay. So I'm wondering, like often I can actually tell when I see someone what their star sign is or even what their rising and what their moon sign is because it really shows in their everyday life and it shows in their personality. So as you're really involved in the human design and the reading, can you see from, from someone like how they behave and how they talk, what... Um, what category they are? I'm not always right, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I will look like I haven't pulled up my family's chart, but as I've been here visiting family and they've been around me, I'm like, you have to be a projector. There's no way that you're not a projector or there's no way that these kids are not generators, you know, like, so I do have that, that instinct, that pull to like, you know, play with that label game sometimes, mm. but I always try to pull up the charts so that I'm not playing into, you know, mm. also, because the thing is that maybe someone's not living in their, um, in their alignment, right? So like if a projector is living as a generator, they're going to come off as a generator. Mm. Okay. That's so interesting. Um, I mean, as for star signs, we sometimes say that certain combinations are really highly compatible and some others, it's maybe a lot of tension or maybe not so good as for being a couple. So is there also in human design, um, are there some combinations that go really well together or are there some very tenuous combinations of in terms of coupling, but also friendships or maybe families? 
that's a game that I don't like to play into. I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, but like, you know, I want to date a Libra. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't believe too much in that. I, I believe that everyone needs something specific and everyone's very unique to their needs, right? So for example, if there is a woman that wants a man or a partner that's more in their feminine, then I, be- I do believe that projectors are more in their feminine. But if they need someone that's really adventurous and like very Sagittarius, that's very much manifesting generator and, and generator. That's like up for it. Like they have the sacral defined. They're like, let's go on a hike. Yeah, let's climb that volcano. Yeah, let's bungee jump. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> that energy. So it's different, yeah. Mm, yeah, I like that you stress that again, that you shouldn't focus too much on it. I actually, I had a Tinder match once and uh, at one point we were talking about star signs and then he asked me what I am and I was like, yeah, I'm Capricorn. And then he just started ghosting me. <laughs> so oh I was like, God. are you serious? Like our conversation before was actually really good. And just because I tell you I'm, I'm a Capricorn and maybe you don't like Capricorns or whatever, you just don't text me back. And I think that when that's when it becomes difficult because you stress so much like we said in the beginning again on on limiting you instead of giving you advice or telling you something about a person maybe how you can talk with a person better or helping you Uh, instead you limit yourself and cut the contact for example so yeah Yeah. I think it's, it's a good way of seeing it just like helping you to understand another person and not saying oh like don't talk to me I'm a generator (laughs) yeah it's crazy because what we're doing there is first of all that's something that we need to work on right that's like I used to I used to have that with like (laughs) my I used to I guess I just had some bad experiences which in that state of consciousness was a bad experience quote unquote um but I had a little time where I was like oh my god no you're Italian no 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 I'm not gonna date you oh my god you're Brazilian no 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 I'm not gonna date you so it's like this crazy thing where I would have one experience and then label everyone as such you know and then I started to realize that that's ridiculous like each person is completely unique and has their own journey and has their own way of expressing themselves and treating other people in specific ways that has nothing to do with where they came from what their sign is um what their human design that has nothing to do everyone's unique And if the person is affecting you so highly, then we need to look at ourselves and be like, okay, what's going on? Because this is, it's always an opportunity for growth. But the moment that we place the blame on something, place the blame on the stars, on the signs, on the designs, you know, then we, we go into victim mode. Mm -hmm. We limit our, our opportunity to receive. And that really guides me over to the next topic. I wanted to jump in with you because it's one of your focuses in your work, which is the shadow work. And I think when someone is triggering you, like you said, it really shows where we still have some work to do and where there is something in the shadow that we can maybe put light on. And so I like to see other people that trigger me for, um, yeah, basically a gift or an opportunity to look why is that person triggering me because it's never the other person it's always something that is inside of you so what is what is shadow work for you or like how how is your approach to shadow work Mm. so shadow work is anything that has been suppressed or repressed within us and it always starts when we're children you know there's always uh, a model that our parents believe will be successful 
it's very, you know, based on societal norms. And so they begin suppressing parts of your expression right from the get-go, right? This is bad. This is good. This is how good girls act. This is how good boys act. This is what success looks like. This is, so you, you begin to mold yourself to like have your parents' acceptance. That's how it begins. Um, and then growing up in school, we want to be accepted by our peers. So we do the same thing. We see, you know, maybe a person that has like a bigger group of friends and we believe that there's something that that person's doing. We need to do that. Um, or, right, because of societal norms, we rebel against it. And then we see that we're rejected for it. Right. So it's like this game is really playing into shadows and woundings and all of that. And so once we repress this part of us, it begins to express itself in toxic ways, right? So through your expression, it was trying to get its needs met in a healthy way, but you repressed it. And then it becomes toxic because anything that's suppressed becomes toxic. And so now it comes out in toxic ways and we need to go back and find that shadow so any, any form of like toxic behavior, any triggers, any reactive behavior will come from a shadow. So we need to figure out what that shadow is. We need to understand what need it's trying to get met through that toxic behavior. And then we need to find a healthy way to get that need met and integrate it through repetitive action until it becomes an unconscious action because the toxic behavior is an unconscious action, right? We're not choosing to do that. And even if we are, we're just playing into that. But in reality, we're being manipulated by the shadow to do that. And so once we start giving it what it needs in a healthy way over and over and over again, it stops reacting in that way. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that on an example? So it becomes more visual, maybe how, how is the process? Okay. Let's move through a process with a client, I guess, how I would lead them. Mm -hmm. So if a client is feeling pressure and pressure is a very intense experience, right? It's not just a word. It's, it's something that you feel in your chest. It's like, you're not safe. I need to go. I need to do it faster, faster, faster. Why are you going so slow? Oh my God. It's like this, your nervous system truly believes that it's unsafe, Right. So at that point, the pressure believes it, there's this part in your psyche that believes that it's not safe. And it was something that was suppressed. And so what I would do with them is first, I would ha have them explain to me how they feel in their body. So I'm very somatic. So, I'll, you know, how does it feel in your body when the pressure comes up? It feels, you know, my chest feels tight, lack of air my head starts spinning, starts racing. Okay. And so then I would have them feel comfortable with the feelings first, because when they're feeling the pressure, they're trying to run away from it. So when we're acting in the toxic shadow, reactive behavior, we're actually running away from the shadow, right? We're, we're not coming into it. We're not leaning into it. So then I'll have them, you know, feel the feelings until they feel comfortable. And then not comfortable, but comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that'll begin to calm down a little bit. And then I'll ask them, you know, I'll lead them through a visualization practice to connect to the part of them that is pushing them, 
that's trying to pressure them, that's telling them that they're not safe. And then I'll ask them what emotion is coming up around that. And so it can, you know, it can either feel like fear or sadness or rejection. And then I'll have them connect to the shadow. The way that I like to connect to the shadow is as if it were a little character or a little entity inside of us. So the way that I play with this is I believe that we have this inner landscape and there are all these characters inside of us. We have many characters. We're not one person. We're not, we're just not. And so I'll have them connect to that little person, right? That little thing, whatever it looks like. It's, if it's a color, uh, a shape, whatever it is, it can be abstract. It can be very specific. And I'll have them describe what this thing that's creating the havoc inside of them looks like or feels like or what it's doing. And it's really interesting because most of my clients have all described it as something curled up into a ball, like protecting myself, you know? And then we'll go in and try to see if the shadow wants to communicate with them. And again, I always explain as well that the shadow is a traumatized child. It, it really is. It's as if you took a little child inside of you, threw it inside of a dark closet, locked the door and left it there for years. Imagine how that part of you feels. So shadow work is not something, unless you have so much devoted experience to it, where you've been so consistent with it for so long, it's not something that just says, hey, I'm your shadow and this is actually what I, you know, it's not, it's not gonna start talking to you and having a, a healthy conversation with you. It's traumatized. So now you have to help this little traumatized child develop and unfold and understand its needs and teach it how to get its needs met in a healthy way and show it that it's loved and accepted and allowed to express itself. And yeah, you, you have to be its mother. And this is where I like to bring in, I do a lot of mother wound work as well. So I like to teach my clients how to create their new inner mother because we all have an inner critic. We all have an inner critic. And the inner critic is very much based on our parents' voices, you know, usually mainly the mother, if she was very present in the environment. And so I, as we're working with the, the shadow, I'll teach them how to do it in a very neutral way, but I'll also teach them how to do it while they're bringing in their new inner mother. So it's like this new voice is helping this traumatized child develop because it didn't get to develop because it was told that it was bad, it was dangerous, it was horrible. And so as it's developing, you're going to create a relationship with it. You're going to understand how that thing inside of you is meant to be expressed in this lifetime. And I really do believe that we need all of our internal parts to create the reality that's very unique and authentic to us. Mm -hmm. And so doing the shadow work is very, very important when it does come up. Yeah. And it's so interesting for me, it was really, really a game changer when I suddenly realized that I don't always have to suppress my um, like negative, as we say, emotions that mm -hmm. come up or the feelings that come up. And it's actually a part of evolving when you accept them and when you feel them, like you said, you go through the feeling with your client and actually put the focus there because 
then the feeling can be seen and therefore dissolve if you heal it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's such a human conditioning maybe that you try to numb it because it feels so bad that you just want to push it away. You want to numb it. People numb it with alcohol and drugs and partying, overworking, not sleeping, whatever it is. Um, and so you don't have to feel it, but actually feeling it for a short while, even though it's uncomfortable, actually dissolves it. Yeah. So that was such a game changer for me to, to find that out. And it has really was such a big step in, in my personal development. But I mean, there is always new stuff coming up, right? Like, yeah, I feel like we're <laughs> never at the end of this personal development journey. And there is new struggling situations, new triggers coming up. And it, it constantly brings up more. But then knowing the process and knowing how it, it can dissolve and knowing how it's getting easier and easier the more you do it helps so much throughout that process. Um, yeah. So it's, it's such a good way of, of knowing. So thank you so much for sharing this. And it's interesting that you say that most of it comes from, the, from our mothers. I mean, I guess as we are born through our mother and we've mm -hmm. spent nine months or more or less inside of our mother, it makes so much sense that there is a wounding. Um, so how can we, if we maybe don't have a connection to our mother or the relationship is really challenging or how can we deal with that mother wound even though maybe we're not in touch with our mother? Mm. So we actually don't need any sort of connection with our mothers to heal the mother wound. The mother wound is simply the identity and the suppression that the patriarchal system creates within women. So for a very long time, we're very lucky at the place that we're at right now, but for a very long time, it was very like, okay, so you're here to be a mother and a wife. And if you have any other desires or identities, shut that down now, or else you're going to be considered greedy, crazy, wild, out of control, you know, and that's where the suppression comes from. So the way that the patriarchal system has suppressed women's identities and desires for so long created so many shadows and shadows are projected. They come out in toxic ways, whether we like it or not, it's out of our control. And the easiest form, or I guess like output for a woman to project is the child. First of all, the child's always with her. So it's, it's going to be really hard to suppress that thing for that long and the child not to feel it. The child also has an energetic and emotional connection and relationship with the mother. With other humans, it's very like interaction, vocal interaction, physical interaction. With the child, it's emotional and energetic. So because a woman is, when a woman is completely suppressed and completely fragmented internally, there's no way that she's going to be emotionally healthy and present and energetically or emotionally available. She's just not. And that's where the wounding is created. That's where it begins because the child needs to feel safe and protected by the mother. And the way that a child feels safe and protected and held by the mother 
is by being energetically and emotionally connected with her. But because the mother is not energetically and emotionally connected with herself, she cannot be with the child. And so then the child begins to think that there's something wrong and it starts fragmenting itself and creating its own shadows to fit the mother's needs and to be seen and be heard and be loved and be acknowledged. And, and that's where the wounding begins. So in order for us to work with this, we need to be humble enough to understand that maybe just maybe our realities or the way that we're creating our realities isn't the way that we actually wanted it. And there's actually more for us. Right. Um, and we begin to question everything. Why is my relationship with myself this way? Why is it like this? Why is my relationship for women? You know, a lot of the work that we do is why is my relationship with other women like this? Why is my relationship with abundance like this with life? Because our mother represents our relationship with ourselves because it's the first relationship we ever had was with our mothers, with another human was with our mothers. So she, that relationship forms our relationship with ourselves. She also represents our relationship with other women because it's the first relationship we have ever had with another woman. She represents our relationship with life because it's the first, she represents life for us, right? We came from her, she gave us life. You know, breastfeeding was life. The roof over heads, everything, she provided life. And then our relationship with abundance because if she ever cut us off from that stream of life and love, we felt like we were cut off from our relationship with life. And so it affects us in, in the most important ways, you know, as women. And we begin by questioning everything. And this whole process is our chance to reclaim our responsibility over our lives, no longer playing in victimhood and claiming sovereignty over our bodies, which is the complete opposite that the patriarchal system plays into. And that's, oh. that's how we flip the game and how we cut those patterns and, and heal those ancestral wounds. Mm, yeah, so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful to realize that you can take your hand in your own life, uh, your life in your own hands, this way around. <laughs> and you, you don't just because someone has done it uh, this way in the generations before you, it's not meaning that you have to do it exactly the same way. But once mm -hmm. you take full responsibility for yourself and look like what you want to change and be clear about it, that you can change and create the life of your dreams, basically, yeah, yeah. including healing the mother wound. Yeah. Hela, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank yeah. you so much for everything that you shared. It's so beautiful. And um, is there anything that we didn't get to talk about? One last thing that you would like to share Mm. maybe one nugget of wisdom some good yeah. advice someone has ever given to you or just any yeah. message I think that I want to just quickly mention sovereignty and what sovereignty actually is right sovereignty is loving on everything that comes from your body it doesn't matter what you label it Because when you love it, it will develop into something beautiful that's meant to lead you here on your path. And how important it is to have complete trust in your body. But in order to do that, we have to have a relationship with it. We have to trust 
the emotions that are coming up. We have to trust the pulls. We have to trust the intuitive nudges. We have to trust. And the way that we manifest our realities is through our bodies. And so having a relationship with every little inch of our bodies, everything that comes from our bodies, everything that arises in our bodies and being the leader of it. And as also we allow our bodies to lead, right? And really believing that it's in acting that then we receive support from the universe. Mm. That is, is really true leadership and true sovereignty, trusting mm. the body so much that we know that it's like, I trust you so much that when you say yes to this thing, and I don't really even have like the path to support me on that, but I'm going to say yes. And then the thing comes mm. because this is nature. Our body is nature. Our body is the universe. This is like our chance to create our relationship with the universe and manifestation is through our bodies. Right? Yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> we just talked about um, actually something similar before we started recording about yeah. leading, letting our intuition guide us where our next uh, travel location, for example, is or yeah. yeah, wherever we feel like we have some uh, yeah, work to do on this planet. So that adds up so perfectly. Thank you so much for being here and so sharing all of this on Pure Happy Healthy. And thank you for being you and the work you do. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation.